Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Molly Christensen, your host of the Building Heroes Podcast, and I'm excited to welcome Barb Winters back with me today. She lives in Florida and she has homeschools for kids and she's in the final stretches since her baby just turned 18. I can't even imagine that yet. I know. <laughs> I think it'll arrive, but it does. Yeah, it does. Barb and her pastor husband have four kiddos and five years ago, he discovered something troubling, and I think I'm going to just turn this over to you so you can retell, you know, you told your story a bit when you were one of our podcast launch guests, but now let's just turn the time over to you, and you can tell that story again and in more detail if you'd like to. Okay. It's always a pleasure to be here. So, um, yeah, about five years ago, my son, who was then 14, we found him on our lawn as we were finishing up a walk, just standing there hysterical. He was crying, he was screaming, he was indicating to us that he needed us. And it was weird because we were um, across the street and there was traffic and we could barely get to, I mean, we were just standing there staring at him going, oh my gosh, what is going on? And both my husband and I later thought um, our daughter was maybe dud on the inside because I mean we just had no idea that's how awful it was um you know those moments when you know there's a problem and you can't get to your kid and so I was standing there and uh it was a defining moment for us and when I got to him what I heard between his sobs was pornography arrest police and when I finally pieced together what he was trying to tell me it had um it was coming out that he had been watching pornography on his iPod, which I had no idea connected to, to something like that. And a bogus warning came up saying that he, um, they were going to send the police if they didn't pay him money. So, um, so we had a long conversation with him that day about that. And it was the beginning of this traumatic experience. It was this um, eye-opening experience for me. I call it a, a uh, defining mom moment of my life, probably the worst mom moment of my life because I have older kids uh, and I had never experienced anything like this until that moment. Anyway, we, we wrapped our arms around him. We began a program, which I'll kind of go into a little bit in a little bit, um, but it wasn't the end. He didn't stop. And a year and a half later, he came back to us and said, this behavior never ended and it's worse than we imagined. Uh, it involved some of our other children, uh, things that I needed to process again. And we started all over again. But at this point, he, the hero of my story, uh, decided that he really wanted to get rid of this addiction that was strangling him, basically. So, but my story is one of, for myself, I just felt like I was alone in this endeavor. We didn't tell anybody. Uh, at first, we didn't even tell our 
household, just my husband and I and my son were battling this. We were the only ones that knew. There's this like stigma that is surrounds the whole pornography industry that if your child is involved in this, then then they're, um, I hate to say it, but like a low life, they're losers. And, you know, years ago when I was growing up, that was kind of the stigma that people gave this sort of behavior. You know, I always sort of pictured um, a guy wearing a white tank shirt going in the back end of a video store, you know? So that was kind of my picture of the type of people who watch pornography, that's who they were. And so it was a struggle for me. I felt guilt, I felt shame, I felt anger. Um, I was devastated. I felt like my child was broken and I didn't really know how we were going to make it out of this situation. Um, so my ministry at hopefulmom.net is to encourage and support other moms who find themselves in this position because I was alone. I couldn't find help. I didn't feel like I could trust people to tell them this information. And I don't want any other mom to feel that way. So that's, um, that's why I started uh, hopefulmom.net. And that's why I consider my son a hero and uh, my husband and our household. We've, we've walked this walk. And um, yeah, I'd love to, to offer some more information about that, give some tips. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful story. And I don't think you're alone with this. And you're right. It is, it, there definitely is a stigma but times have completely changed. I mean, maybe that was the stereotype back in the day, you know, but now it's so readily accessible that I feel like it's more like uh, when your kids start yes. getting exposed to pornography, not an if. Yes. So, and that's what I, you know, I want to inform parents because I was, I was completely clueless. You know, I'm thinking playboy under the sink sort of situation. And that is not what pornography is anymore. And that's not how they access it. They're, it's in their pockets. These kids are um, having to say no to porn every single day because it's so easily accessible and it's free and it just pops up on their screen. Like it's no big deal. And they don't know any different. You know, we've got seven, eight-year-olds finding pornography. They're stumbling across it. Or maybe they hear their parents say um, sex or something, and they decide they're going to look that up. And what does that mean? You know, in the old days, you'd look it up in a dictionary. You'd get some clinical answer. You'd shut the dictionary. And, you know, you'd be on your way. But these kids, they Google the word sex, and they're seeing graphic, um, horrific, like violent types of behavior and they don't know that that's not normal and that's where they're learning their sex education so statistically speaking not, I, and these statistics are old this one I'm going to give you right now but 93 percent of boys and 62 percent of girls are exposed to pornography before age 18 and and that's an old stat and so you're right it's no longer if at this point it is now when and so as parents we need to decide that we're going to be on top of it we need to run ahead of it if um, it hasn't already happened in our house and what are we going to do when they do come to us and say look this this is something that's happened to me um so yeah you know yeah well let's talk a little bit first because about 
you know, you mentioned a couple of times where people think that, you know, pornography is harmless, it's no big deal, but it really is a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. So they are, um, our kids' brains have not developed. So I, I'm big into education and communication when it comes to pornography and being able to say the word. So I practice saying pornography on a regular basis because at first I couldn't even use the word. Um, but our children, their brains are pliable and they're still developing. They do not have full brains until age 25. They're not mature until then. So they've got this struggle. They've got this amygdala, which is their fight or flight, instinctual, hey, if it feels good, let's go for it. That is really at the forefront. That's what's making all their decisions because their prefrontal cortex, which is the portion that makes the logical decisions, that thinks about the cause and effect, it actually pauses for a minute before making decisions. That is not fully developed until they're age 25. So yeah, I talk in public schools about this information. So we're constantly trying to tell our teens, hey, your brain's not fully developed. And so when you have moments of, oh, I'd really love to do that, you know, maybe take a moment, pause, because listen to a trusted adult who's been there and does has done that to understand that maybe some of your decisions aren't uh, the best decisions. So yeah, when they are making the decision to watch pornography on a regular basis, they are actually um, affecting their brain, literally, because it's pliable. They're making grooves in their brain. And the more often you, you do something, the more easy, the easier it is for you to continue to do that habit. And that's why we also tell kids at schools that 90% of addictions start in your teen years. And that's why, because you're make you're actually changing the grooves in your brain. So thankfully, the good part of that is that the grooves are pliable and pl- and can be reversed. So you can also make decisions to change the brain. It's That's, really uh, hard though once the addiction has taken <laughs> hold, but it can be done. It yes, can. absolutely. So, so it sounds like you've done some research on this too. <laughs> well, and and what I'm Yes, because I love studying change in addictions, but the problem is, or not the problem, but, but the best thing is, is if you can avoid getting addicted to something in the first place, it's going to make your life so much easier. But if you do get addicted, there's still hope. Yes. Yes. And that's what we want to, I mean, that's one of my huge messages to parents is that there's always hope. Um, This does not define them. This does not define you. And there is definitely hope uh, for you and your child. So yeah, there, it is harmful. And I think, you know, you've got people all over the place. Some think, well, it's no big deal. And some think, oh my gosh, it's so horrible. I can't imagine they're in shock. Uh, that was sort sort of where I was. I was like completely in shock. I'm like, I live in a Christian home. I'm married to a pastor. We've taught our kids biblical principles. I can't believe that this is happening in my own house. Um, but kids are curious and they're going to fulfill that curiosity. And that's why we want to stay on top of it. So for, yeah. And they have access like unlimited, not unlimited access. Cause as parents, yeah. you know, hopefully we do limit a bit, but, but right. still we cannot always be on right. them and keep them in a box. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, my inclination when I found out about my son was to just lock him in his room until he was 30. Uh, but, you know, I had to nix that idea pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I can see why that would be a temptation. <laughs> oh, so and that was his story. He was curious. He didn't mean any harm. And yes, he'd heard from us that that these things are bad. But I, you know, because we didn't understand um, the accessibility of it, we hadn't done our research. Uh, we didn't put filters on our Wi-Fi and stuff. We didn't. We didn't know that this was going on. Um, he just decided one day to search for it, and then it sort of took hold. And that happens, some kids, and that's one of the things that you would need to assess. I mean, if your child comes to you and says, I've been watching pornography, don't panic. I know I always say that and then people are like, it's too late. Um, but if, you know, if you're listening to this and it's, it's not happened to you yet, try not to panic, try to, you know, give a listening ear. But one of the things you're gonna wanna do is assess, you know, is this just a curious thing in a one-time event or is this something that has a stronghold in your child's life? So, and it's just like any other um, behavior. It can be something that some people think, whatever, that's no big deal. And they never go back to it. Or it can be something that gets its grip right away and the person's trapped. And that's sort of what happened to him as he, you know, it was enticing to him. It was luring. Um, well, so that's how it's made. <laughs> Yeah, enticing. not on purpose. <laughs> well, the porn industry, they have their goals, you know, they, they're in it for the money so that they can, they make it as enticing as possible and they lure them in. And, and, and they know it's addictive, which absolutely. helps the profit margin. Yeah. And, the, and they purposely um, target young kids because if they can get them early, then they've got a lifetime uh, person that's going to keep coming back over and over consumer. Yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned that, you know, if your kid comes to you and tells you that they saw pornography, you know, to assess if, if it, how big the problem really feels or is, or, you know, um, but I'm thinking that often kids aren't going to come to you yeah, and tell you. That's true. It's so, interesting because we were in um, the schools a, a couple of weeks ago and that's the feel I get from all the, the teenagers there is like the last person I want to tell my problem to is my parents. And that's so sad. I know. So, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about what parents can do to help their kids? Sure. With this so, situation yeah. going to come up. <laughs> well, the first thing that comes to mind is what I kind of already stated is that learn how to talk about it. So it was awkward for me to say the word pornography um, when I first started talking about it or even writing about it. And so I have a post actually on my website, hopefulmom.net that says learning, talks about how to talk to your kids about pornography or how to even just talk about it in general. So I would say, do some research, learn what the, the is going on out there, what the dangers are, and then practice talking about it. And 
people ask what age to start. And I would say if you if your kid's old enough to have a device that is connected to the internet, then you need to be having the conversation and not necessarily um, a lot of details and specifics. You wanna gear it toward their age level. But the younger you start, the easier it's gonna be to continue the conversation with them as they mature and get old and they start running into these choices of whether or not they're going to search for it or not, or if they're going to click on that video that pops up on the side of their, uh, while they're scrolling. So, um, yeah, I forgot the question. <laughs> no, oh, that's yeah, good. Yes. That's good. Well, you're giving us a good starting place. Like, you know, how, how yeah. do we prepare our kids to deal with this? Because it's going to come up, right? And Right, so absolutely. So become comfortable. So I, what I would say as far as the best your best defense and your best offense really is to, is the relationship that you have with your children. You want to build a relationship with them in which they feel comfortable having these difficult conversations with you. And, you know, it's a different day and age than what we grew up in, Molly, just oh, like yeah. that. We need to open our mouths and be willing to say what's on our mind. We need to talk about the dangers that are out there, whether it's pornography or, or whatever it is, and um, recognize that our kids need a safe space. They are, you know, that just reminds me, the, these kids find it normal. And I, I know I'm probably talking to a lot of homeschool community families, so it's it's not as prevalent, but I'm I'm a homeschool mom. Like we homeschooled all our kids. So we're not immune. And I mean, I don't say that to scare people, but because we need to be informed. Mm -hmm. But the kids today are sending sex, sex, which is nudes, they call it sending nudes back and forth on a regular basis. And they don't even understand that that's an issue or a problem. Like that is normal communication to them. This is like a prerequisite to dating anymore, practically. And I'm talking like half the kids, half your teenagers are doing this. So it's when I say that's happening, it's a high percentage of children that are doing this. Well, and, and a big problem just with pornography and the sexting and all that is really that it distorts the whole idea of sex in their minds. And so what it does is it makes it difficult to grow up, get married, have a family. Right, exactly. They're getting their sex ed from pornography. And as I mentioned before, it's violent, it's invasive, um, it's hurtful, it's non-consensual at times. Um, so they think that's normal mm -hmm. and they have unrealistic expectations of what sex should be then when they start experimenting with it or when they get married. And it's such a beautiful expression of love it's it's god given it's created for us and so when they have those unrealistic expectations then they're disappointed um or or worse they're they're out being violent and hurting people um, yeah i mean a lot of people say well what what's the big deal it's only it's only harming me if it's even harming me you know right. but but it's really not because it changes the whole culture of our society and and being family-based right exactly it, it, yes they're distorted 
in what it should be like. They have unrealistic expectations. And one of the things that I tell the kids in the schools, and this was one of the things that my son, um, it really affected him, is that a, a lot of the um, people in those videos that they're watching are not there by choice. Yeah. I mean, pornography is tied to human trafficking and sex trafficking, and it's happening here in our state. It's happening on your corner, down the street. Uh, there are people out there grooming, and grooming is huge through social media. You've got all these different uh, social media apps, and if it connects, if they can connect and talk to someone online, then there's a possibility of grooming happening. And it can lead to, you know, sexual abuse and, and just, I'll say other terrible things, you know? Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, the crux of what I try to talk about with my, with my parents is you need support too. So we can talk about all the negative things about pornography and they do need to know that you need to know that we need to tell our kids that, but I want to make sure that parents are supported and loved on, that this is not something that they need to feel alone about that because they're not the only ones that um, are going through this. It's traumatic. It's dramatic. It's, it's a, it, for me, it was a grieving process. It took me years to figure out that I actually was grieving the death of who I thought my son was. So parents are grieving. And if you haven't gotten to that point, then yes, do everything you can to make sure that you are prepared for your child to come to you. If they have already come to you, if you are already at the point where they have said, I've been exposed to pornography, then take a minute. That is really one of the things that I emphasize here is just take some time, pause and pray. If your child has a problem, if they are struggling with pornography, that problem did not happen overnight. And so it can't be fixed overnight. So if you take some time to process before you communicate and go back to your child, then you're in a better space. Try and parent from a place of wholeness and healing as opposed to a place of brokenness. So, you know, it's okay to take some time to think about it and pray about it and decide how you're going to respond to what your child is telling you. Oh, I, I love that so much. And I think probably forgiveness is a huge part of this too. As, as you go on the process, because not only are you going to have to forgive your child because you feel betrayed. Absolutely. Right. But you have to forgive yourself. Right. That is huge. That is huge because I had the mom guilt all over the place. I, you know, I had all the labels, loser, failure, terrible mom. Um, I, I figured that I had scarred my child for life and there was going to be no getting over it. And so, yeah, I had to forgive a lot of people because there were a few other people involved in what had happened with um, my son. And so I had to forgive them. I had to forgive, you know, <laughs> I had to forgive my husband because, you know, in my irrational mind, it was like, why didn't he know? 
this was going on. Um, and that was an irrational thought. But, but I imagine it's very common though, because absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, and yes, I had to forgive myself and I really have to forgive um, a society that says this is okay and normal. Yeah. So yeah, we talk about the anger, we talk about the forgiveness. And then I, I'm always sure to say that when something like this affects you so terribly, there's something that we can take from it and turn it around and make it positive. And which is why I'm talking to people because my son has healed. He is walking in freedom from this problem. And I am so grateful, but I don't want that to happen to other people. And so it is, it is my mission to help other parents and to have the next generation understand that this is a problem because we need to shut it down at the very core of the problem, which is the demand for pornography. You know, if there was no demand for it, if people weren't asking for it, then there wouldn't need to be a supply. So that's, that's what I make it my mission. So I took my anger and I turned it into some justice. I'm sort of a justice type person. And I'm out there saying, look, we need to stop this. And not just legislatively, which I know some people are um, actively working on yeah. laws, which I'm not against. But my main mission is to talk to the parents and the kiddos and let them know, look, if there's no demand, then there doesn't need to be a supply. And that just shuts down the industry. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you were able to take this thing that no mother or father ever really wants to confront with their children. And you've turned it into something so amazing because you've gone on your own hero's journey as well along on this too. And you've discovered this amazing purpose that probably you never would have expected that you would have ever wanted to do. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I've kind of come into my own. I've got a voice. I've become an advocate. These are not things that I um, thought of myself as before. I mean, I have a little bit of a leadership personality type, but I've kind of been in the shadow of my husband because he's a pastor. And so it's more of been of a supportive role. But at some point I decided, no, it's, it's sort of my time to come out of the the shadows and start talking to people and talk to parents about this because it is an issue. So I have a few other tips if you'd like me to explain. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, I was just going to mention too, you know, often it really is our mess that becomes our message. Mm, I love that. I think you said that last time we were yeah. talking because I heard it a few times when I was listening to the replay and I'm like, that is that is a fantastic phrase. Our mess becomes our message. I, I probably have said it a lot. And that's partly just because, you know, a lot of times when we get bogged down in the messes of our own lives, we think, oh, I'm such a mess. I can't do anything right. But the amazing thing is, is as we work through it and we figure out how to get out of that mess, we feel like we want to share that with other yeah. people to save them some yeah. pain and to give them hope, which that's why I love what you're doing. Right, absolutely. There is hope for sure. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, why don't you share a couple more tips with us? Um, okay, yeah. Um, there's debates about filters, but I'm I'm on the side of they're necessary. 
I would say you need filters on, and this is for every household. I'm just going to tell you right now that I believe that every household needs a filter on their Wi-Fi router. And we use Disney for a while, uh, Disney Circle. And we just recently switched over to Griffin, which is um, a little more powerful, I think. We moved and we have a bigger house now and it needed a little more power. So we have Griffin on our Wi-Fi and every household needs filters on all the devices that connect to the internet. And the cool thing about a lot of the devices is you can, they've got controls on them so that you can change the controls on each device depending on who's using it and, and how much restrictions you want on it. And that's the same with the, the Griffin. We okay. use, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. I was gonna say, give me an example of what you mean on the device. Okay, well, we use Covenant Eyes as a filter on every single device. And you can find a link to them on my website, on my resources page at hopefulmom.net. And we use Covenant Eyes. There are others. I know some people like Bark. Um, and there are, there are several, actually. I recently put a post up that has several, lists several different Options. ones. Um, but you can control the, the cool thing about Covenant Eyes is they send you screenshots. So I'm an accountability partner, if you will, for every person in our family. And so every morning I get an email from Covenant Eyes and they actually give me screenshots of what each person in the household has been doing the day before. So it's a real deterrent for someone who watches pornography to have their mom open a website one day and see that they have been looking at that the day before. So it's real helpful. I mean, it's not, it's not it's, foolproof. It's not foolproof, you know, and I think that's what some of the people would say, well, it's not a full fuel. Uh, you can get around it. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that's the whole thing. Kids are so much more tech savvy than so many of us moms are this day. They can get around everything. But I think, like you say, it's a helpful deterrent. It's helpful. Like, you know, I say you're not going to throw a pile of drugs on your coffee table and ask your kids to walk around it day after day and continue <laughs> to not touch the drugs, right? And yeah. so why would we allow them to just have open access to anything and everything on the internet and say, it's up to you to constantly be saying no, 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 no. Yeah. Right. They can yeah. work around it and, and they do work around it and they are smarter than I am. I don't even know how to work around it. Um, but the guardrails are necessary and the boundaries are necessary and it's just helpful. I think just like anything, you know, I'm, I love ice cream, but I don't leave it in my refrigerator. <laughs> I don't leave it in my freezer because I know I'll eat it much more than I should. So, you know, periodically, if I want it, I have to go searching for it. It's not right there available to me. It's yeah, sort of the thing that, that that's a good analogy for sure. That's me and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hear you. I'm a self-proclaimed chocoholic. So I got you there. So, so yeah. and then there's, and for, um, so there's, there's filters on the Wi-Fi, there's filters on the device, and then there's also parental controls on your devices. So 
one thing that my son has, I think I talked about this last time, is he's got it set up on his iPhone that he cannot install or uninstall apps. Someone needs to physically unlock his phone for him to be able to do that. And I actually said to him one day, you're going off to college, you know, should I unlock your phone for you? And he said, no. He said, I'm going to have that lockdown for the rest of my life. And I thought, wow, this is a kid who really understands that he needs boundaries and why he needs them. And that's the goal is for our kids to come to us and tell us, here's where I'm struggling and here's where I need your help. And so my next tip is to make sure that you are communicating with your kids after you've paused and prayed after you've done the urgent thing, which would be to lock it down as much as you can with filters and boundaries and restrictions, then work on the important part, which is to educate and communicate. So all these things have to work together, but that's the part that takes the longest. We cannot fix our kiddos overnight. We can't decide, hey, I'm gonna have one conversation with them and they're gonna suddenly understand that, oh, I need to stay away from that, that's bad for me. No, this has to be an ongoing relationship thing. We need to communicate with them regularly. And actually that's the whole thing is we can't even fix them no. at all because I mean, they're not broken. They may have made a mistake that's not going to serve them well or made choices that aren't going to serve them well. But I mean, a lot of I, parents I know, I'm like, I probably tend to do this too. As we approach things like this, we're like, okay, let's fix you up, you know, and, and that just doesn't work. And that's why you're saying it takes so, uh, like, it takes a long time to build that relationship and to build that trust and to help help. Right. And we have to not be afraid of it, you know, and we have to not um, take things so personally also, because when our kids interact with us and we get the, the look or we get the, the pushback, we have to decide that is not personal. That's them being their age. Yeah. And, and we're going to go ahead and love on them anyway. I'm going to love my kid unconditionally. We, we say, I love how you said that we can't fix them. And we, I try and tell my kiddos regularly, this does not define you. Um, I only have one that's still with me full time. And I find myself saying that to her almost on a weekly basis because the hormones are screaming. And when they come at you, and something horrific has happened in their life, like, you know, some, somebody just said something nasty to them um, and they responded badly. You know, maybe they think they failed or they're not doing things well. Um, sometimes the grades aren't as high. She's a perfectionist in the grades. I have to say, this does not define you. You may have faltered you may have stumbled. We talked about a snag last time I was on here. Yes. I love that. But this doesn't define you as a person. Yes, you have made a mistake. Yes, you've made an unhealthy choice. Um, I talk about healthy versus unhealthy choices. But that does not define you for the rest of your life. And my goal as a mom is to raise adults 
not children, raise adults who contribute to society, understand who they are. And for me as a Christian, that's who they are in Christ and to contribute to society and to thrive, not just survive. We want our kiddos to thrive. And so when they take that step out and when they leave the house, we want them to be contributing adults and thrive. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's kind of the whole premise of the hero's journey. That's what a hero is. It's, yeah. it's not somebody who has a perfect life, who never has any problems. Right. <laughs> and that's what we were talking about earlier. They do have messes and they do overcome. Now, not all kids will decide to break their addiction like your son did. And, and I love that you actually mentioned in his story that it was his desire Right. right. To to stop that. And I think that's really key when it comes to our kids because we can't make them change. Right. But we can be there for them and believe in them and encourage them and help them. Right. And we need to look at it as helping them. So I, I'm on a Facebook page that it feels like a lot of times the parents are just putting their foot down and they're punishing them because they can and this, that, and the other. And I, it's my desire to change the conversation. And I have to say, I'm not good at this. So I'm learning as I go. Also, I wish I would have known some of this when my older ones were little, because I was that type of parent where, because I said so. Um, but when, when my son came to me that day and said that this was the problem, I sat next to him on my bed and I put my arm around him and I said, we are on your side. We are in this together. I am sitting next to you, not across from you so that you understand that we're, we're both, we both have the same goals, which is for you to be a whole uh, person to not be hurting and in pain, even though that those things happen, but we, we are protecting you. We're not punishing you. We are, um, we are here to help you, um, not hurt you. And so when we put things in place, like you can't go um, to your friend's house alone any longer for a while, um, that's because we love you unconditionally and we want to help you get through this. We're protecting you because that's our job as parents. So, you know, I just want to change the conversation about that and how we define um, our role as parents, we, rather than punish, we protect rather than restrict, we safeguard rather than fight. We're loving them. That's, and that's, if we, we decide that as parents and we communicate that to our children, which is really the most important thing, um, you know, then when they're ready to make a change in their life, they feel safe coming to us because they understand okay, mom's on my side. Yeah, I messed up, but she's still on my side. She loves me unconditionally. She's, she's here to help me and protect me. I need to go to her and tell her. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it really is all about changing the conversation so that they do understand that we're not just trying to make them do whatever is most convenient for us or <laughs> makes right. us look good or, or whatever, but it's really that we're there for them 
And, you know, it's so interesting because I don't think kids really understand how much parents love their children. No, they don't. Just because they've never experienced that themselves. But maybe part of it is too, just because we haven't let them know. Yeah. You know, in our, in the way we treat them and not shaming them and, you know, and that we're on their We just assume they know. You know, I think that was it for me. Like, you know, the first 10 years, it was just an assumption. I didn't think I had to tell you for crying out loud. Of course, I love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to lose that love. Um, But, but they don't know. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't even know that about my husband after being married to him for 20 plus years, I still want him to tell me how much he loves me and give me kudos. And of course, can you tell words of affirmation is my love language? You know, so why wouldn't we think that about our kids? Of course, they need us to say it out loud. Of course, they need us to every once in a while, look at them and say, I'm proud of you. I think you're a great kid and here's why and list some of the the great assets they have because they they all have fantastic assets. They do. I mean and 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 they do regardless of the choices they are making. Right. And and I think that's especially important to remember when they start getting into the teenage years. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and we have to put put aside all their uh their lip and their attitude and say, okay, let's get to the heart of the matter. Um, and, and these kids, especially these kids that are, you know, if they're doing something that they know their parents would not approve of, they feel guilt, they feel shame. And we need to understand that sometimes when they come out fighting, they're just um, protecting themselves because they're already feeling guilt and shame and insecurity and inadequate in and of themselves, just like we feel. Um, And we have to remember that we, it's our job. It's our job as the parents to penetrate that wall and get to the heart of the matter. Absolutely. Well, I love that so much. And that's really what it is all about is if we are as we're raising our kids to go on their own journeys, on their own paths, we can't make them go on this journey that they, we think they should go on, but we can totally be there holding their hearts and always being there for them and helping them along the way. Great. Thank you so much for joining me today. And hopefully we covered everything that you wanted to Tell our audience about this because I think that was a lot of really good tips about, you know, learning how to communicate about it and how to uh, and finding out what's really going on, because I think sometimes um, we want to just keep our head in the sand and say, oh, that's fine, you know, but what? Go ahead. We're hurting so bad that we don't know what to do. And so, yeah, like one final thing that I wanted to say is be encouraged their story is not over yet. And we're all works in process, progress. We're a work in progress. So are they, no one is perfect. And so if you as a parent have failed in some way, it's okay. Offer yourself grace, you know, go to your child and say, look, I messed this up the first time. I've had to say that a few times to my kiddos, but we're in this together and I want to try harder and what can I do differently or better? And I'm sorry that I didn't do it well the first time. So. Oh, for sure. I, I, I think I've done that more than a few times. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love that. And I love the name of your website too, that it's a hopeful mom or wait, not uh, it's just, it's hopefulmom.net. And, and I yeah. love that 
because that's really what this world needs more of is hope for sure. Yeah. So yeah, head on over there. I've got a downloadable PDF that is seven actions when your child has seen porn. So if you sign up for updates, I also have a book in progress. So I'm excited about the book. Um, we're working on getting it published. So if you sign up at the website, then you can get information about the book and you'll be the first to find out when it's available to purchase. Oh, that's fantastic. I am sure that is so needed in this world. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your message with us, because I think, you know, discussing this hard topic, a lot of, like I said, actually, as this is what I was going to say earlier, is you posted something on your um, Facebook page about how when we have a mess in a room, we tend to just want to shut the door and then it's not there anymore. Yep. <laughs> like that in our own lives too. Sometimes you know, we probably do need to open up that door and start looking at it and, and seeing where we should go with it. And so, yeah, I appreciate your willingness to talk about this difficult subject and that you're bringing so much hope. And thank you for having me on here. I'm excited about your podcast and how you're uh, boosting all of our ideas of what a hero should be. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. I'm sure we'll talk again. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com